Hey everybody, the game we're talking about today deals with some kind of dark themes, including drug overdose, um, suicide, and uh, murder. Uh, and uh, if you're kind of not in the headspace for something like that, um, feel free to give this one a miss or come back when you're feeling more ready for it. Uh, thanks a lot. See you in the episode. Welcome to the Adventure Mechanics. I'm Chandler. I'm Devin. And I'm Tom. And today we'll be talking about the side-scrolling shoot-em-up, I guess, Deadbolt. Deadbolt is a game where you walk from floor to floor on a 2D plane and take out a, a number of undead. You pick up a number of weapons and they all have their advantages and disadvantages like any good gun game. And the secret sauce of it is that you're as lethal as you are frail. Like you can take one hit from anything and you're dead. Zero room for error. <laughs> yeah, definitely zero room for error. And it's a, I think you described it very well, Devin, when you said it's a puzzle game with execution. Mm -hmm. you, you have to figure out the puzzle of how to take out everyone in the level or achieve your goal if it's not killing everyone uh, without dying. That's actually a really good way to describe it. For context... Deadbolt was released in 2016 by Hopu Games. It had a demo on itch.io for probably a year before that, just to kind of gauge interest and get some playtesters to engage with the game early. After Deadbolt was released, they took the demo down and its initial release was somewhat disappointing for the company. They ended up wanting to do more with it, but they just didn't have that initial interest they needed to kind of work on the game longer. So they ended up working on other titles after that. That's not to say that the game was abandoned after release, though. It has a robust level editing system built into the game itself. So the community built up around that and custom levels for the game have been released pretty much ever since the game was initially released to the world. It was also ported to PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and Nintendo Switch. That's kind of the history of Deadbolt. How about we go into the story of the game? Okay. In Deadbolt, you play as something called the Reaper, which in the artwork of the game is a character that is in a brown trench coat really spindly and has a skull without a bottom jaw and your goal throughout the game is to eliminate the undead in this world called the place which i think you said devon that was heavily inspired by greek hell well is that right i mean the ancient greeks didn't have a hell they had an underworld but yes it is heavily heavily inspired with by that with a with a dash of the place is hell it's the underworld, but also the existence of the people who have found themselves there. They are living in hell. But there are like a lot of things in the Greek underworld that could be considered, you know, to be hell, a hellish existence by that definition. But yeah. And I guess I should be a little bit more precise about that. The undead of this world are people who've died via unnatural means. The first group that you encounter are zombies. And they basically just look like green gangsters in the game itself. But 
the reason they ended up in the place is because they ended their lives by overdosing on whatever drug while they were alive. And they continue to do so in the place. There's a drug that they're addicted to called Ash that they keep overdosing on and they get in cahoots with the vampires. And you kind of figure that out through the first act of the game. And then once you're introduced to the vampires, they are those who were murdered by their lover, either in fits of jealousy or planned or whatever. They are very sexualized in this and not in a like, ooh, nudity sort of way. The lore of the game basically says that they, because they died at their lover's hand, they end up wanting to kind of relive the passion, the lust sort of thing. Um, so they end up being like the second bad guy group in the game, which in the second act, you figure out that they are the ones that produce the ash in a very macabre sort of way. The third group that you're introduced to are the skeletons, which are people who ended their lives, i.e. they... Um, they died by suicide. Died by suicide. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was trying to think of the updated phrase on that yeah. one. <laughs> um, yeah, but they died they, by, by suicide and... They unalived themselves. Yes, they unalived themselves. They certainly unalived themselves. And they always feel cold because they're just bones in the place. But they also have the ability to resurrect. And when they do it to another skeleton, the one doing the resurrection feels warmth for a short period of time. But if they attempt to resurrect either the zombies or the uh, vampires, they turn them to ash in the game. There's these pillars that they put in nightclubs, in vampire nightclubs, that turn everybody in the nightclub to ash. That's the big reveal of the second act of the game. In the third act of the game, you are introduced to demons, which are, I guess, interlopers in the place. Because they don't actually inhabit the place naturally. They're brought over by boat, and they absolutely fear the water because of the ferryman, Charon. Is that how you say it? Charon? Sorry. Charon? I... Charon? I had to think of, like, a Greek... they they absolutely fear the ferryman because they uh the ferryman will take them into the water and they'll drown there so that's a huge bit of the lore for them all of this is in service of the big bad however um named isban i thought it was ibzon ibzon yes ibzon yeah yeah um ibzon is a former uh reaper like yourself who decided to end his quote-unquote suffering in the place because he no longer was getting missions from the last bit of the lore puzzle here, which are the candles, which are basically like, I guess would be like the Greek gods, almost, in this context. It seemed, to me, it seemed more like some other kind of eldritch entity that meets out justice in the place and keeps some kind of natural order. That was my interpretation. I, I don't know that it's a really... I don't know that it is exactly a one-to-one with Greek myth. Like, Charon obviously is. Like, Charon is a direct reference. But the rest of it, I don't necessarily think it it is a one-to-one. 
Uh, but the flames are definitely some kind of deity, some kind of um, extra dimensional entity that keeps things in some kind of lawful balance. And they're also the entity that gives you the missions throughout mm-hmm. the game. And the climax of the game is Ibzan making his way all the way to the flames uh, sanctuary and you having to fight them or fight him right above the flame sanctuary at the end of the battle Ibzan ends the game with saying i just wanted to feel warm and then you go down and talk to your uh flames overlord and they say you've done good work it's time to rest um and then it drops you back into your flat that you have kind of been building up over the course of the game so that's a kind of a short rambly version of the story arc of the game there is a video that i'll be linking in the description that kind of goes over it in a little bit better detail that um i kind of drew some information from but for the cliff notes version that's sufficient i think it's kind of a convoluted story and it's actually really clever but you don't actually have to engage with the story at all to enjoy the game when i first played the itch.io demo that they put out i actually just enjoyed the gameplay itself and didn't even make any notice of the obvious greek references of like the three-headed dogs that you fight in the game the ferryman named Charon, or Charon, just completely missed all of those and just thought this was not in a in a different area this was like an underworld situation where there's these monsters in the night and you're one of the monsters to help keep the world safe. And yeah, I completely missed that. <laughs> All the references. So <laughs> you can enjoy the game without the story. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I've never been one that pays super close attention to a story in any game that I play. I am a bad person. Don't oh judge no. Me. How, I know. how could you, I am judging <laughs> you so hard right now. So hard. Um, I don't know if we I, can still be friends. I, 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 you know, honestly, I'm not even surprised coming from you. I, I feel bad. Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, for me, gameplay is by far the more important than story. Again, sorry. It, it's necessary for me to be able to really enjoy, like, have a really engaging gameplay. And Deadbolt has a really addicting gameplay. You don't need to pay attention to the story to thoroughly enjoy the game. The challenges themselves, the puzzles themselves are... I mean, if that was all the game was, I'd be fully invested. The fact that there is a really cool fleshed out story and, you know, with references to, you know, myths and mythology, just extra. It's like icing on the cake. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful combination. Absolutely. The game is difficult, too. Like, oh. absolutely difficult. Yeah. But not too difficult. It does creep up on you. You have time to learn it. You have time to master it. But... It's kind of old school in that, like, it gets hard and gets really hard. This thing doesn't, like, it's not like a lot of modern games where it's like, well, even if you're, like, absolutely terrible at gaming, you can you can make it all the way to the end. Like, no, it's going to take some work, <laughs> which yeah. is good. Yeah, but it also kind of points out, the, like, a skill floor, right? Because I know you tried it, Devin, and it mm-hmm. was just one of those games where you could see the puzzle, but you couldn't necessarily execute on how to yeah. exit or how to get there right 
Yeah, it just was um, not the game for me. I have not the skill nor the coordination to engage with the game the way that it wanted me to. Um, so I really struggled and then ended up giving up. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't think I want to keep beating my head against this and I can see what the problem is. And uh, that is that uh, it's just not made for someone like me. And that is okay. Uh, but yes, it is very difficult. And I would say that if you're not very skillful or not able to build skill like that, you, you might bounce off of it like I did. I just don't have and there's not really any accessibility options to you know no. slow the pace or or change up settings like I, I think whether or not that's a good or bad thing is a totally different discussion i don't mind uh i think you know the game is what it is uh and it just wasn't for me and that's okay i can watch a playthrough with friends playing it or you know find uh, a playthrough on the youtube and uh, find the lore there as well so uh yeah it was uh, it was too difficult for me it was too skillful and i just couldn't do it <laughs> i don't consider myself to be an excellent gamer i consider myself to be a fairly mediocre gamer i think what you need in order to succeed at that game is fairly decent twitch reactions mm -hmm. um having some first person shooter experience is probably mandatory yeah, um, I don't know, hundreds of hours of UT and Call of Duty Modern Warfare or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, Chandler and I are both qualified on both accounts. Yeah. I am not a big first-person shooter person. That is not a game style that I tend to play very much of, if any. But I do have past history playing a lot of it with Chandler. So I, I, I don't think that you need to be excellent at first-person shooters in order to enjoy the game. But I do agree with Devin that you have to have some experience. If you've never used a mouse to aim at something before, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, I, I don't know that, it, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that it was necessarily, like, because I'm passable with first-person shooters. Like, I'm not, like, pro Fair. level or anything. I'm passable at it. Uh, it was just the way that how you had to keep everything moving so fast on the screen and having to be intensely aware of where your mouse cursor is on the screen, not just yes. the relative position of your gun on your on the model, on the character model of the Reaper. Um, I think it probably would have been a little easier for me if it wasn't reliant on you need to know where the cursor is at all times and you need to place it purposefully. You can't just like point and shoot, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 2D and... point and shooty, um, <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it's engaging in a, a little bit more specific, I think, shooting mechanics in that way. Oh, yeah, it's it, it requires a lot of accuracy. Mm -hmm. um, it isn't it isn't like some of the old school games where you can just kind of like kind of like what you're describing, where it's like you have like shooting sideways diagonally and up or, you know, it's not like it's not forgiving. Um, your your character is very small and. Excuse me, you can see a large amount of the map at a time. All the characters that you're attacking are very small. And in order to hit a, a headshot in the game, your cursor has to essentially be sitting directly on top of their head, not close to it. Even if you're like a little bit off on distance, the further your cursor is away from the enemy, the less and less accurate your character becomes. So you can have it lined up correctly, where like if you draw a line from your character's gun through to your cursor, if the enemy's head is in that line, you have a chance of getting a headshot. But it's the further your cursor is away from that enemy, the lower your 
odds are of doing it. There's some amount of accuracy change. So it's it's a game of like precision. Um, and I think that's kind of what I mean is like you need to be able to snap to a target and then click and snap to another target and then click and be very quick about it. The game is super unforgiving. If If you aren't really fast, the enemies that you're going up against are really fast. And if they hit you one time... That's it. Your entire run is over. You start over. Yep. And when you die, you just start at the beginning of the level, too. Yep. You have to completely... So it doesn't matter how far into it you got. Doesn't matter. There's no checkpoints. You begin again. Um, at least for that level. So, like, you have to be very accurate and very fast. For anyone that's played a lot of first-person shooters and become... And, like, fast-paced ones. Because there's obviously there's, like, first-person shooters like, let's say, like, Fallout. Those tend to be pretty forgiving, and then there's games like like Unreal Tournament where, like, no forgiveness. Yeah. You're either faster it's, or dead. Exactly. It's more more of the Unreal Tournament. <laughs> Except yeah. instead of a 3D space, it's a 2D shooter. But either way, the skills are kind of the same. Which is fun. I mean, for a lot of people, that's something that, you know, you, you can get into that. It's fun. But it's hard. <laughs> So be aware of that if you're going to play this game. Yeah, well, there's also this interesting, like, like dynamic there, right? So you mm-hmm. are incredibly frail, and one shot will kill you, but when you are very, very practiced on a level, you end up feeling like a god. Like, you know exactly where all the enemies are, you know exactly when to shoot them, you know exactly when to run through that automatically closing door so you don't get... Um, line of sight and shot in the back it just it almost feels like you're doing a dance when you know how the level is supposed to work and it feels really good to do it oh yeah it gives you an excellent like i don't know how to explain that but you're right the feeling is excellent it's like an efficiency feeling how do i describe that when you when you nail a uh, a playthrough you're like it gives you that hero feeling of like Oh my god, I just kicked so much butt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like all the plans came to fruition perfectly to make your run go through. And yeah. then at the end of it, you get ranked on one to five stars. And, you know, despite feeling great about it, you end up with a two or three star run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of the other parts of this game that's kind of showing its hand. Um, in terms of inspirations, at least in my opinion, is the, at the end of each level, the kind of results screen shows how long you've been playing it in aggregate, um, including the number of deaths that you've had, the number of kills that you've had on your last run, the amount of headshots that you've had, the amount of shots that hit any enemy in the level, and then it kind of aggregates those into the one to five star system. Mm-hmm. So it's very much arcadey, and it feels arcadey because of that. And I, I will say, as, from the accessibility standpoint, there is one piece that makes it a little bit accessible, which is, this isn't true for all maps. There are maps that are brutal. But at least to begin with, probably, like I would say for the, the first stage, like you, you start by taking out a bunch of zombies. And for the first few maps... It kind of lets you take your time. You're going to get a bad score because it is time-based, but you can kind of like break it down into like sections where you're kind of like, okay, I have to kill this guy and then I can chill and I can think about my next move. 
So if, if you're the kind of person that enjoys planning very carefully, and like this is actually, honestly, this is what drew me to it. I'm not, I don't have the best scores in the game. I'm not the fastest because I lack the first person shooter skills to be able to be that quick. But what I do enjoy is like, I can, I can kind of go, okay, so this section, if I take out this part, you can do some strategy. You know, if, I, if you take out this part of this, that clears that area. I don't have to worry about that area anymore. It becomes safe. I can go park myself in that area for as long as I need to think about my next move. And you can play it really slowly and strategically. And so what I found myself doing is kind of doing that for the first playthrough to kind of figure out the map and, like, learn different strategies. And then once I succeeded, then I could go back and play it again and kind of be like, okay, now that I know how to win, let's see if I can figure out how to win faster. So I think that is kind of the accessibility, like, slider. There's no way to adjust the the difficulty, but you can certainly, like, you could spend three hours completing a single map and the game will still consider it a success. You'll just get one star. I would disagree with calling that an accessibility thing, but it's certainly the game does give you time to figure things out. It's um, as close to accessibility as I think the game is going to hand you. How about that? <laughs> that's not a whole lot of accessibility, Ricardo. No. It's, I mean, and, and for, for the listeners, because Chandler and Tom already know this, uh, I tapped out after taking 48 minutes to complete the tutorial, where Fair. the game is about as hand-holdy as it can possibly be. And I was just like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I tried the first level and went, no, this just isn't the game for me. Uh, <laughs> Which is totally fine. So, yeah, so you know, again, it's, it's not for everybody and that's okay. I just, I feel like accessibility is a very specific thing to to make a game accessible to the most people possible. So even though the game, you know, in early levels, like gives you time and gives you places to like plan your attack, that assumes that you can actually play the game uh, and get to that point. <laughs> I guess that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm like pushing against you saying that it's accessibility. Um, like it certainly does things in those early levels to help you prepare and help you learn, you know, what the game is asking of you and what you'll need to do in later levels, especially when it adds more complicated mechanics like the phylacteries. Um, and enemies that are more tanky, you know, other enemies that move quickly. But yeah, it's it just accessibility is a very specific, I think, definition for a specific thing. As Devin pointed out, there's there's not really any of that in this game. Keep in mind at the time, Hopu Games was, this was like their second release, I think, that they had. Um, they I think they did Risk of Rain before this, but this was their second release. So being a tiny studio of like, I think two people or three people at the time, they didn't have a whole lot of consideration on the accessibility front Mm -hmm. because that's something that experience really gives indies. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of indies that start off do not consider that. Yeah. Well, and it could be that, you know, again, like I think the discussion of like accessibility and, you know, difficulty settings and that sort of thing, I think that's, a discussion to be had on its own. Um, and it's kind of an ongoing discussion, but in, in there's a, a big consideration for like, you know, the creator's vision and like what they want the game to be. And if they want to be a game that tests your skill and coordination and your reaction time and your ability to do these things on the fly with like, you know, uh, Twitch, Twitch reactions, 
if that's what they wanted, that's what they did. Uh, and I think that they built a game around that concept um, that really does test those things. Uh, and it works. Um, but that will, you know, obviously not everyone will want to play with play that game and some people won't be able to. Certainly. You know, so I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, I can't believe that they don't have accessibility options. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, it's just a fact. There isn't any. <laughs> and yeah, that is that going is to be that is going to be a barrier to some people. It was a barrier to me. And, but at the same time, I can, you know, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't get further. Like I knew because of what the game was and because uh, and I in, in our earlier conversations, I compared it a lot to Hotline Miami. Um, it's it's very much like Hotline Miami in, in, in a number of ways. Uh, and that with Hotline Miami, I didn't get all the way through that because I did hit a point where it was just like, I, it's just, I can't get past this. I just, I'm not good enough. Uh, so I figured that this game would be the same where it was like, well, I'll play through a few, few levels and then at some point it'll be very difficult and I won't be able to do it. I just didn't expect that to be the tutorial. Like, <laughs> I didn't expect to, like, you know, be, like, half an hour deep into the tutorial. It's like, you know, my 45th time restarting the level and going, hmm, you know, this might be a sign. Uh, and that's okay. Again, that's okay. But the tutorial told me a lot about the game and what it, what it needed from me. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to give it to it. Uh, and, that, and that's okay. Like, you know... I, which is why I say I think the developers, if that's what they were going for, they built a, a game around that that really works with that idea in mind. Uh, it just, you know, wasn't for me. No, absolutely. They did. They did do a very good job on what vision they had for it. But I am kind I am kind of sad that the tutorial was the weeding out point for you yeah. because of this. I really did want to talk about the story specifically. <laughs> Well, and, like, like, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say like this, the story specifically, and it was interesting to me because I was kind of absorbing it in a very admittedly slow way when I was playing through it. I think I have probably about 40, 50 hours into this game at this point. And through those hours of getting my poor Reaper murdered in various comical ways and stupid ways i did kind of absorb some of the story of it and it is a fascinating story even with me mangling it i think well the cool thing about you know the, the age that we live in with the you know youtube and um lore hunters and uh such like uh people making videos um I was able to look into the story uh, because I did want to see more about that and I think the story is really interesting I think their world building is really interesting and I did kind of enjoy like even though I didn't get to ex you know uh, discover that and explore that for myself like I still think it was cool to go and look at that and be like oh neat like there's a lot of thought that went into the world building and you know the references and you know, and they don't answer all of the questions either, which I think is really neat. Like there's, there's like, you know, what actually do Reapers do beyond, you know, keeping the peace, if you will, in the place? Uh, what is the entity that is the flames? You know, what, what, what purpose does that serve? Like, is this a order chaos thing? Like, is this an Eldritch thing? Is it a little bit more like, you know, a, a little bit more Christian flavored, a little Abrahamic flavored with, you know, is this, you know, uh, higher level like angel stuff or is this more eldritch or is this more something else because like you know like we pointed out like Charon is a character there the dogs have three heads there's a lot of references to Greek mythology in the Greek underworld 
I thought it was interesting, like how, like, oh, why are there zombies and vampires and skeletons in this world? How is the society of the place, you know, structured around these things, that these are people who died in horrible ways, really, ultimately, and that they come into this existence in this place. And it's like, this existence is hell. Like, their existence is horrible. Like, if you OD, if you die of OD, you end up in the place as a zombie and you just continue to be addicted. And it's very hopeless. If you have unalived yourself, <laughs> you wake up in the place as a skeleton and you cannot die. Your existence will never end. You will be freezing cold and miserable for the rest of your life. Because if you try to unalive yourself again, you will be resurrected. By another by an, skeleton. By another skeleton, because they because by doing that they can feel that living warmth, however briefly. Um, and then of course you know the vampires like they are constantly in this state of hedonism, you know because they were killed by their lover in the mortal world. It's horrible. Like everything about this is terrible, and you have to question like what is the flame's agenda? You know what is what is going on? Who are the Reapers? And then you have the tragedy of Ibsen, who was a Reaper and then unalived himself and then has been desperate to get back to the warmth of the flames. By whatever nature governs the world, the flames cannot allow that to happen and Ibsen must be obliterated and never be warm again and just be ended. Yeah. And it's like, that's tragic uh and you have these little hints that some something's like something happened like whatever it was that happened with ibsen like you have these hints that like ibsen's existence as a reaper was miserable and that you know he lived to speak with the flames which was just on the flames agenda uh then he, you know and then he unalives himself and then your character the player character the reaper that you play you have this flat that's got a bunch of boxes and then between levels the uh you know there's like a bed there's a phonograph uh there's i think a cat at one point a little pixel cat that's that's in there um yep. and it's sort of like the, the the flat is becoming more and more lived in and more and more comfortable the chair that the reaper sits in in front of the fireplace is this sort of plush wingback chair uh when you see ibsen's apartment it's austere there's like a folding chair and like a cot and then the bricked over fireplace and it's like oh like did the flames entity whatever that is not realize that things that are human or human adjacent need warmth and entertainment and something and, and that's why Ibsen just attached to these flames and just wanted all the time to speak to the flames because there was nothing that he had. And so the flames has somehow learned from that and is now giving the new reaper like, Oh, you've, ac you've accomplished a mitten, uh, a mission rather a mitten. Yes. You've accomplished a mitten. <laughs> have a kitten. Um, you know, I, I have granted unto you this beautiful little black cat, uh, you know, like, Oh, also I got you a bed while you were gone. You know, my candle servant has, has dragged it in for you. Like this isn't said, but it kind of looks that way. And so you're like, Oh, like, so the flames knew something, but, but that doesn't mean there's no latitude for Ibsen um, and Ibsen's obsession with getting into the mortal world and then finding the flames. Yeah. It's tragic. I love it. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. I think, I think it's really, really interesting. It's a really fascinating story because of that too. Like, 
I was kind of talking about this earlier, but my first probably two or three playthroughs, I didn't make any connection with the lore itself. And as I kind of connected with the story through the, the cassettes that you collect, because they're like randomly dropped collectibles from specific enemies in the game, they kind of give more flavor to the world. Um, and it it's kind of an admittedly cheap way to get you to replay certain levels that are sometimes really, really difficult and ones that, if given a choice, you probably wouldn't even five star or attempt to five star and just move on with your life. But yeah, the, those cassettes really kind of just dangle this really rich lore and history that you want to know more about in the game. And they just mm-hmm. dangle it there any good collectible should. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Ibsen's story is really tragic in this game. And I, yeah, like this entire game is really tragic for lack yeah, of a the, better, like <laughs> the whole thing is a dark, it's a dark and yes. tragic just across the board. Yeah. Like almost deliciously. So <laughs> like even the, the candles are like candles are servants to the flames and the way that they're drawn in the game, they're basically like a candle. You could see the age of the candle by how close the fire is to the base of the candle. It's a really fascinating kind of, uh, I don't want to say character, but like creature study, right? Where the life is inverse to the height. (laughs) And that's just fascinating to me. That's uh, kind of stuck in my mind for, well, since I first started playing this game and encountered the first candle which I think was actually delivering the cassette thing um, into your flat. Mm -hmm. You might be able to see them in the world before that, but you don't interact with them. They're like almost static props early on in the game. They'll just, they're they're watching you do your job early in the game, making sure that you're going to work out as a, as a reaper or something like that. Interestingly enough, you don't see the candles again until they're actively supporting you towards the climax of the game just another little bit of that story that's just so very good in this game (laughs) and i know um you mentioned this while we were talking before the podcast evan but like you made a really good point that the eldritch horror that is the flames actively like gives you stuff as a reaper Mm -hmm. to keep you sharp as a tool and make sure that Mm -hmm. you're not going to go ibsen on them <laughs> yep yep exactly mm-hmm. yeah which which kind of is it sorry it, which is kind of an interesting when you consider the end like you've killed ibsen ibsen says i just wanted to be warm and you're left with that you go back to the flames and the flames entity is like you, you know you've done good work but now it's time to rest and then all the lights go out and every candle flame one by one and it's just like hmm hmm <laughs> Very strange hmm. ending. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, that's a, hmm. And especially, the, you know, yeah, like, you did a good job, time to rest. Like, you know, well done, well done. But, you know, all, all is darkness now. It's, it's very interesting, especially as, you know, the flames have been seeming to bring you things to keep you happy so that you'll keep doing the job that you're supposed to do. As you said, uh, to keep you as a tool sharp enough for use and oh. not defect. I was just aping what you said, so yeah. Yeah. Don't give me credit for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, as I said that you said, uh 
Wait, this line is getting really confusing. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> the the Ouroboros of ideas and <laughs> yeah, something like that. So tell me, Tom, did you get any of that story while you were playing? So I didn't finish the game, so that's definitely important to note. And in defense of what you were saying earlier, Devin, I frankly the game started after after. I haven't quite cleared the vampires, which is kind of like the second chapter. So you've done a bunch of the zombies and yeah. And uh, it just started getting really hard. So I haven't finished it. I still enjoyed it. So just to be clear, even though I haven't finished it, like still have thoroughly enjoyed it and will be revisiting it. But because I haven't finished the story, I don't have quite as much to say about it. <laughs> I'm like halfway through. The story that is there is very cool. It's very text-based and um, a little slow. And you, if you're the kind of person that likes to, like, kind of read things and then read into things and kind of, like, deep dive into the lore of stuff, it's super cool. I am more of the type of person that's kind of like, huh, there is story happening here, but I just want to solve the next puzzle. All right, let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we've proven that with our uh, playthrough of, what was it? Um, uh, where you were trapped in the museum uh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i story for me either has to be very like auditory and and visual you know with cutscenes and that kind of thing and i can get really into that if it's a lot of reading and stuff it's a rare game that i will get super involved there are games like that don't get me wrong but for me for this most of it is i was kind of like skimming over the re and kind of reading the story and just getting excited about the next puzzle how do I kill the next guy? I'd read enough to know kind of what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, like, it gives you kind of like a, I think they call it intel, where it's just like, all right, so this next one, you need to know this piece in order to solve the puzzle. You know, it's like the, there's a certain new type of, of character that you're not going to be able to kill unless you kill their phylactrophy, which, you know, like, I said that wrong, didn't I? Yeah. Anyway. Phylactery. <laughs> Phylactery. Blech. It's not a common word. Anyway, <laughs> so you have to like kill like a little jar in order to actually wipe them out for good or else they keep coming back to life. Like stuff like that. So you have to read at least some of that stuff. I, I definitely paid attention to that. I didn't pay that much attention to the story. Sorry, guys. Well, that's that's perfectly fair. Like, in The game is still good without it. That's the that's the takeaway. Yeah. And, and <laughs> in full disclosure to like the listeners... Tom got stuck on the uh, Amber and Evelyn level. And for anybody that actually has played this game, that is one of the harder levels of the game. Like, it's a noticeable spike in difficulty. It's... Yeah. You're, like, the level before, it's hard, but not, like, super hard. And then this one comes in and is like, okay, you you have to beat this with almost no ammunition. And... Each one is a phylactery for the other. Good luck! Yeah, so basically, there's two towers, and you have to kill... At the very top of each tower, there are two people, and you have to... Or one person each. You have to kill them within, what would you say, 15 seconds of each other? Like 15 to 30 seconds, yeah. Yeah, so you have to, like, fight your way up one tower, kill someone, fight your way up... Or fight your way up one tower, wipe it out. Fight your way up the other tower and clear it out. At least this is how I did it, because I'm slow. <laughs> And then after you've cleared out most of the the bad guys or whatever, you can you can kill one of them. And then there's a pipe you have to unlock. That's the other thing. You have to unlock this pipe on both sides. So you have to get up to the top on both sides in order to be able to fast travel between the two. And so, yeah, 
I, I killed everyone in one tower, including the person I was supposed to kill. Went back over to the other side, killed everyone in that tower, opened that pipe, which by that time the first person had resurrected. So I killed the second person and then flew back over and killed the first person. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Chandler's right. The difficulty level spikes very sharply in that level. And after that gets easier again, from a design perspective, I would say if I were to give any critique of the game, I'd say that level, or at least that concept of that level, might have been better served later in the game. Because yeah. it's where I stopped playing on my first playthrough, and then I spent over an hour playing it on the second playthrough and needed Chandler's help to get through it, and it is brutal. It was so much fun watching it on potato quality, too. <laughs> yeah, so, through Discord screaming. Yeah. Streaming. Well, it might as well have just been screaming, because it was <laughs> yeah. like, what, 72p or something when we were watching it? It's like, oh, yeah, look, it... here's a little block. It's moving around. Oh, the block got smaller. I think he died. Oh, man. Yeah, that was particularly funny to watch. Like, it was... Kind of like watching a sports game in, in like with really bad reception. Like you kind of <laughs> know what's going on, but you don't really know the details. You just get the broad strokes, and you're hoping that you can fill it in later. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. For for anyone who might be listening who has experience with televisions that use the rabbit ears to receive signal as you're trying to like wiggle the rabbit ears around to try and get picture and it's like kind of there but really staticky and weird you can kind of see this ghost of a shape yep. on the screen. I don't know that Why? anyone listening to this would have memory of that. Which uh... <laughs> well, uh, if you if you're listening to this and you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, uh, go look that up. It's fun. Yeah. I have no idea why it was streaming at such poor quality. I have gigabit internet, but apparently Discord oh. just did not want to provide that to me. So It, it might have just been just a weird <laughs> thing. But yeah, it, well, because like the last time you were streaming over Discord, you were streaming Forza, and it, there was no problem. It looked great. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't like me that day. Maybe maybe Discord was trying to save your pride. Like, oh no, he's really struggling with this level. Uh... <laughs> I'll smear Vaseline all over this stream so nobody can see your failure. <laughs> <laughs> the difficulty in this game is definitely one of the things that that does inevitably make it less accessible. Like, it's a hard game. But yeah. I think if they moved some levels around or added more tools to work with on certain levels of make the game significantly easier, like specifically on the two towers um, example, they give you exactly three weapons on top of what you bring in, two pistols and a hammer. And then if you want anything else beyond that, you have to kill like two or three extra people. And that's about the, that's all you're going to get. So you run a very, very real risk of uh, running out of ammunition and just having to punch somebody to death because you ran out of ammunition. You got nothing else. And let me remind you that your character is frail. So it feels like you're a toddler punching a linebacker sometimes. <laughs> it's it's really sad. And more than on more than one occasion ended up like, punching somebody just to try and end it all but i didn't want to just give up and let them like take me out but yeah it's a very interesting feeling <laughs> oh man i've let 
plenty of people just take me out. I had a few times like that where I was like, well, this run is ruined. Kill me. <laughs> I need a restart, and you're faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing that I am not going to let pass on this uh, talk, though, is the music. Oh, oh gosh, The music is yeah. amazing. Oh, yes. the music is so good. It is by far one of my favorite tracks of any game I've ever played. Like, I still listen to it to this day. And that's kind of an honorific that I don't give a lot of video games. Like, I'll occasionally listen to a video game soundtrack, but I won't listen to it, like, regularly. Deadbolt is one of those, because it is like a, I I don't know, like a dark groove rock almost. It's very rhythmic, and it's kind of in the music. (laughs) I am absolutely butchering the description of this. Somebody please save me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of got this, like, lo-fi electronic rock. Uh... (laughs) It's really hard to define. It It is, and I'm like, like, oh god, I need to pull some up so I can, like, feel like I I feel like because I've listened to it it's just like I don't I don't know what I'm talking about now I, I sound like I'm real smart but it's really good look it up um it's 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 very good music it's kind of swanky and also gritty at the same time it, it's Is like that a good way of putting it yeah yeah it's like you know d- dark vapor not vapor wave uh, dark retro wave kind of <laughs> yeah that could that could describe it, yeah. It has a lot of different style tracks, which I think is one of the reasons why we're all kind of struggling and flailing on how to describe this amazing <laughs> sound. But at the end of the day, it's your companion throughout all of these hundreds of attempts at every level, right? And they chose like a good amount of tracks so it doesn't feel like it's ever like in your face. It's very much mm-hmm. like you were saying, Devin, Hotline Miami in that regard as well. The music mm-hmm. just never stops, and it's eminently loopable music, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just so good. Uh, all of it does appear to be on YouTube. You can uh, uh, listen to it. It's on the uh, composer's page. Chris Christodelo. Christodelo? I'm so I'm so sorry if I have mispronounced your name, if you ever happen to hear this. I'm so glad that you we're brave enough to try that one. I was like, I, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but I'm not going to try to pronounce Chris's last name. Yep. <laughs> Chris, you did a great job. <laughs> yes, you did an amazing job with it, if you even hear about this podcast. But yeah, it's also available on Bandcamp if you want to support him. Yep. He does the sound work on pretty much all of Hopu's games. So they got the right person for the job. Just saying. <laughs> but I do want to bring back one thing. Did it, Before I continue on, though, did anybody else kind of want to gush about the music some more? <laughs> uh, it's it's just like, you know, it's like really great. Uh, I was just like clicking through and like, you know, every single, every single track is very different. There's rock. There's like rock country. There's that sort of retro wave sound. It does uh, have a bit of a retro feel overall, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah it gets me into that mindset of trying to execute perfectly <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe that's Pavlovian at this point but it gets you into a focus and I think that's yeah. really what the game needs um, especially if you're going to be dying potentially hundreds of times on one level 
Yeah. Oh. At least the music in the tutorial level was very good. Did enjoy <laughs> uh, my whole time there. It didn't get old. Uh, like, you know how sometimes if you play a game that's difficult and you're really, really struggling with one boss or one level, um, and sometimes you're just like, stop it with the music. Kingdom Hearts, very, very infamous for this. You know, the Atlantica level, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like where you're just like, oh, my God, just turn the music off so I can just try and finish this game. And I didn't feel that way, even though I was like, oh, my God, this game isn't for me. But the music slaps. <laughs> I've been on the same level for almost an hour now, and I can listen to the yeah. songs more. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, which is saying something, I think, to the quality of the music, Music, where you're just like, oh, you know, this is, this is nice. It's, music is still good, even after I'm, like, feeling frustrated. Yeah, it helps soothe the pain and the frustration, at least for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, at least the music is still good. <laughs> At least I can enjoy that. I haven't played um, Hotline Miami nearly as much. Like, I think I've mm-hmm. played maybe a level of that. But I don't mm-hmm. remember the music fitting quite as well. Like, I remember it fitting well, but not quite as well. What do you, what do you think, since you played I mean, a little bit more than me? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know that I've played it that much more than you. Uh, I mean, I, fit it, I think it fit fine. I'm trying to think because it's been a while <laughs> since when I played it. Fair, um, fair. But like, you know, because I, I find the Hotline Miami soundtrack very listenable as well. You just put it on and listen to it. It's It's got that particular sound, which when I'm writing a particular thing, I want that particular sound. During gameplay, I mean, I think it fit well. Uh, I think for me, it, it worked. Um, but it's been so long since I've played it that uh, I, I don't know that I'll be as definitive about it. What I remember Hotline Miami is more that the, the the soundtrack kind of blended better with the scene. Like the soundtrack wasn't trying to stand out above the action. Not that I'm saying like this one does, but I found it, you know, even watching uh, a walkthrough or a let's play of it, the soundtrack stood out in Deadbolt a little bit more. Whereas in Hotline Miami, it, it seems to blend more with the visuals and the action. Which, uh, you know, neither way is good nor bad. It's just a different approach to music. So, uh, you know, so when with with Hotline Miami, I remember it more like being it's there. It's cool. It works. But it's more integrated into the scene in a way that it's not necessarily standing out to you. Is what I remember. Whereas from watching watching you guys play it um, and then watching, you know, uh, Let's Plays of it, it's sort of, you know, with Deadpool, the music stood out, out a little bit more. And maybe it did that too because I was watching instead of like actually playing, and so I wasn't necessarily concentrating on the controls. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. This isn't making a lot of sense. Well, I mean, <laughs> going off of old memories of being like, uh, hmm. I mean, it's still good though. It's like, wow, this song's really great. Like, it, it works. Like each each level has kind of its own sound to it, and and it really does make the level. Like I. Even in uh, some of the nightclub levels with the vampires, I found myself like just stopping for a second to listen to a particular part of the song that I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah you're like, oh yeah, this is the part. This is the part right here. Yeah, <laughs> and then I just got murdered. Uh, okay, yep. guess we try Can't again. Can't listen to the music. Got to play game. Yep. Can't listen to music. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a soundtrack. It was amazing yeah. and is one of the reasons why this game is so so good. At least in my opinion. It certainly plays a role. There's no doubt of that. Playing it without music isn't the same. I tried that for a little bit and I was like, no, no, it needs to yeah, music. I, <laughs> yeah, if it, I think if it had like more generic music, 
by which I mean like music with less personality, like something that you might expect if you saw a game that looks like this um, or no music. I think it just would not be engaging at all, uh, even with engaging world building and an interesting story and, uh, you know, interesting, challenging gameplay. It just would not it wouldn't I don't I don't think that it would grab uh, players as much. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely not. The, the music has such personality. It has such character. It gets you engaged in the world so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do want to circle back on the accessibility issue. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of pick uh, both of your minds about what would... Um, how do I phrase this? What would make the game like better? Maybe, what would make it more accessible, you mean? <laughs> well, not just accessible, but like better. Like, What would be other things, if this is a critique of a game, which we're arguably doing, what would make it a better game for you not necessarily like changing it to full 3d or anything like that but as is well, what no, would, I, yeah what would get it closer to that uh top tier rank i mean i mean for me it would really be some kind of accessibility consideration of some kind and that doesn't necessarily mean like a difficulty slider but i mean even something like uh just ways that you could toggle things on and off, you know, slowing down the action, like making it so that you don't have to react as fast as the game in its current state asks you to react. Um, If you could, you know, slow that down in some measure, or even like as a sliding scale, like that would be, even with, with the mechanics as is, you know, just being able to slow action down would make it more accessible to me. Turning on some kind of thing like, you know, like a, a, a one shot kill, where uh, you don't have to expend as much ammo. For example, if you're bad at aiming and can't hit things, when you do hit things, they will die in one hit, as opposed to needing two or three hits, especially in later levels. Uh, that would be an option. Or a combination thereof uh, would be an option to try and like get, get the game to where, at least for me, you know, speaking for myself, would be where it would be more accessible to me. Like, you know, you would still have like, some considerations with other things, but you could kind of toggle that on, on or off, you know, and just make it an option. Uh, Something, something to that effect. But I mean, really like even just slowing it down a little bit would be a huge, a huge thing because you'd still have to solve the puzzles. You'd still have to pay attention to, you know, where you're shooting and stuff, but it's not like I couldn't even you know, move the mouse to where I needed it to be, especially since it requires you to place your mouse so precisely to hit things. Mm. You know, it's like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, well, well, I knocked on the door. I, you know, the guy got up, he opened the door. I smacked him in the face. You know, I got to the other door. I knocked on the door. I was ready to shoot the guy when he came up to the door, but I have to shoot the guy behind him. And this is the tutorial level. This is part of the tutorial level. <laughs> and I, I, you know, shoot the guy in front of me, but I can't get the shot off quick enough I, I, to get the guy behind him. Uh, and then as soon as you fire a gun, everyone above, on the level above you is running because they've heard gunfire, right? Like, so they're coming, you know, so something to just slow that action down a little bit where it's like, okay, boom, boom, turn around, shoot the next guy would be easier conserving ammo too because one thing you're trying to shoot the person but you can't aim right you know the zombie's coming at you and you're like bang 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 bang, and then you've used up all your ammo how are you going to complete the level you just have to you have to restart the level because there's no way that you can go upstairs and you know get everyone else kind of a thing you know what i mean yeah yeah that's actually a good point like i think 
if they implemented even something like a uh, danger bullet time, maybe. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And that, yeah. And maybe make the uh, bullets bigger and slower. I know that's somewhat antithetical for, for what the game demands, but like a bigger, slower bullet would be more obvious right. of what killed you. Yeah, well, everything we're talking about hypothetically is antithetical to what the game is. It's just sort of like, hypothetically, what would make it more accessible? And I think that's a good one. Uh, what about, bigger, slower bu bullets. What about having some kind of a snap-to feature with, like... Because, like, mm -hmm. old-school Call of Duty introduced that, where it's like, if you're, if you're clicking pretty close to something, it assumes you know what you're aiming for and just yeah. gives you the shot. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... That would be an interesting game to try. Like, I yeah. don't necessarily think that Deadbolt is, as it stands right now, would be the same game with all those accessibility features. I feel like it might end up feeling more generic. But yeah, I think a game with the same controls that Deadbolt has, but with those accessibility options, could be very interesting. And yeah, I feel like that would be something that we've kind of touched upon before where that's buried in the options, but it's something you can turn on, right? Like, oh, this yeah, game is going to be incredibly difficult. Well, I can just turn on these assists to make, make it so I can get through the story part of the game. Right. Well, I mean, I in other games have done that, like Mechanicus, uh, Warhammer 40k Mechanicus has a lot of options for tweaking the gameplay um, that you can set up before you play. Tunic recently released has a um, no fail mode where you can just play it for the story and play it for the puzzle of figuring out the world uh, and the, the metagame of the manual that it has. Uh, you could just like you'll still do combat, you'll still fight enemies in the overworld, but you can't fail at it. So you don't have to deal with, you know, oh, I've died and I have to like find my way back without a map or something to that effect. Yeah. I don't have to keep trying on this boss, and it's toggleable on and off. If you're struggling with a boss, and you've done it for, you know, over half an hour, and you're like, I just need to get past this so I can continue the game, you just turn it on, defeat the boss, and then you can turn it off again and continue on if you want the challenge. That's an example of a game that's done uh, an interesting and I think really great accessibility option. And of course, like, there's a lot of discourse around Elden Ring right now, since it came out recently. Uh, it's been out for a few weeks how people talk about, like, does Elden Ring have accessibility? And it gives you a lot of different tools you can use or not, depending yeah. on what level of challenge you want uh, in this, you know, Souls-like souls, souls -like game, uh, which I think is great. Like, you know, yeah, there's no difficulty slider, but, you know, with a, all of the things that are in the game that can, you know, ease the challenge for you, it doesn't mean that it's a less challenging game, but it gives you these tools that you can use within that, you know, thing. But, I mean, there's multiple ways you can handle it, depending on the kind of game. But um, I think we're seeing more consideration for accessibility, which is good. Uh, and I'd like I to agree. see more of that in games generally. Uh, but, I'm even, but, yeah. I'm even okay mm -hmm. with, like, when they have those accessibility, like, settings available, but they disable any achievements or something. You know, it's like, look, you can play the game. We're not going to, like give you all the cool stuff if you do it in that mode, but you can go all the way through the game in easy mode. I think that's bullshit, frankly. Really? Because you're still you're still making an underclass of people who can't, you know, who are being left out. Huh. And Yes. That's my opinion on that. Interesting. For a single player game like Deadbolt, what does it fucking matter? Like 
Well, Whether you yeah. beat it on easy yeah. mode or you beat it on ball bustingly hard mode, you still beat the game. I yeah. think I think it's kind of interesting to have even if you have like some achievements available but others not available, I, I, I think that we should reward people that are willing to like go into hard mode. Like that's something to like shoot for. That's something that you should you know there's there's something kind of fun about being like okay well I'm enjoying this game in in easy mode it's a really fun game but like I really want this extra cookie that is totally inconsequential to the gameplay at all like has no impact on yeah like, so my have enjoyment. an achievement that's beating it on hard mode lots of games have that hard yeah, mode nightmare mode yeah, like, legendary mode but but that doesn't yeah. mean like that people who beat the game on normal or easy don't get achievements oh okay so maybe maybe I need to be more clear. I think that having achievements for being in a harder mode is the right solution to that. I'm not saying you should get zero achievements, but like being able to disable some achievements for having, if it's like, okay, I'm going to enable easy mode. Okay, cool. You can do that. You can play all the way through the game, but some of the achievements that would have been available to you are no longer available to you because you're in easy mode. See, and I, I still think that phrasing it that way is kind of terrible. Like, if there's an achievement that says you beat it on the hardest difficulty, cool, that is an achievement that you can show that you beat it on the hardest difficulty. Um, achievements like you killed X amount of demons on the hardest difficulty in this level and, and challenges like that. Uh -huh. Fine. I think that's fine. Because, yes, if you're not going to play it, you know, that will reward someone who wants to play on hard mode. But to say, well, you won't get the achievements for X, Y, and Z if you're playing on easy, like you have to play hard mode for that, I think that's kind of dumb. And I don't I like, like that. I think I if like you want to have specific hard mode challenges, fine, go ahead. Uh, if you want an Elden Ring achievement that says you've played level one, you've never leveled up uh, a no damage, damage challenge run, like you have an achievement for that. I'm not saying that there is. I don't think there is. But I mean, people challenge themselves like that anyway. Like, that's fine. Not everyone is going to do that anyway, but the people who want the challenge will try. But to like phrase it as we are locking you out of achievements because you're not playing on hard mode is, I think, the wrong way to say it. Yeah. If you have I, achievements I guess... for a hard mode, that's fine. But like having like, for example, um, you're playing on easy mode. We're not going to give you the story achievements because you can only get the story achievements on hard mode or the intended developer difficulty mode. That's that's bullshit. Hmm. I'm interesting. I'm inclined to agree with that because it unfortunately with achievements like that, it's really misusing the idea of achievements. The idea of an achievement at least the philosophy of achievements that I go with is you want to encourage your players to play a very specific play style. Like okay. if uh, in the Elden Ring example, you're beating the game on level one, that's going to be fucking hard and not a lot of people are going to do it. That's going to be an uber rare achievement. Perfect. You want them to play as level one, doing it the hardest the way they could. Another example would be like playing on, I don't know, Thief. Um, I'm talking about Thief the Metal Age and Thief the Dark Project, not Thief 4 or whatever they called it. In that game, the harder difficulties basically cut off some of your tools. I think that's a good way to encourage the player to play in a different playstyle. Because in those games, you can be a murder hobo, and that's perfectly acceptable on the easier difficulties. And achievements kind of force that there as well it's another tool I, for the same end i guess i guess maybe what i just to make sure that we're all kind of on the same base because for me what i'm kind of imagining is is obviously 
specifically deadbolt to me if hard mode is really just the mode that we the only mode we have right now like if that's just (laughs) yeah that's accurate that is what it is um (laughs) so i think if you're if you're if you're if your game developer creates a game and they say, okay, this is how I want the game to be played. And then someone says, Hey, that's great. I like that. You know, you're, you're into that, but I'm not, I want something a little bit easier. I think maybe in that situation for a game like deadbolt specifically putting in like a, okay, we'll let you play the game, but we're going to put it at, we're going to, we're going to ramp down the difficulty in a significant way. I think it's acceptable to disable some of the, the achievements because if the game is meant to be played in a certain way which means there's a certain level of a challenge to reach those achievements and let's say those achievements are significantly easier so like for your example um let's say there's an achievement for i don't know i'm just gonna make something up uh killing killing the least number of people this is all gonna be made up let's say this like killing the least number of people to achieve a goal so like you're able to like sneak and run past all the other people and just get your target and then get out and then let's say one of the easy modes again this is all made up but like let's say one of the easy modes is like you're essentially invulnerable so you're you're kind of in like a story mode sort of thing where you can you can take your time i think in those kinds of situations you have to be very careful about your achievements because if the quote-unquote easy mode makes that achievement just ludicrously easy to acquire, where that achievement is really hard to acquire in the in the quote-unquote normal mode, that doesn't work. Because then everyone's just going to switch into easy mode, get the achievement, and come back. I That's s- kind of what I mean. That's mm, kind of what I was kind of getting at. I, I still disagree with you. Um, and here's really? why. Yes. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so, so here's, so here's kind of what you're suggesting. I understand what you are saying. I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll lead with that. I do understand. It's not a, a, a matter of not understanding. However, I think you are looking at it in a, a, a way where there's sort of this weight on developer and intent. And if the developer's intent is for this to be a very challenging experience and you have to play the way that we have deigned it on the intended difficulty mode, which, you know, using Deadbolt as an example, is this one, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody's going to be able to play it then don't have difficulty modes. Don't have an easy mode. You have decided that your game is accessible to a certain set of people who can play it this way. And that's fine, but I think that by sort of saying like, oh, well, it's sort of like, oh, do you want a cookie? Is kind of the mentality that that has, where it's like, oh, well, we're going to lock you out of assuming they're not challenge achievements, like you have done X and Y on the hardest difficulty. It feels like you are leaving people out because someone says, oh, well, why can't I get this achievement? I beat that level. It's like, oh, well, you didn't play the game it was intended to be played. It's sort of like, oh, well, you know, you're graduating, but we're not going to give you your diploma because you had to go to the tutoring center and you had to have help and you needed all of these study aids because you have a learning disability or, you know, you don't study good or you have ADHD and need just a little bit of help and a little bit of extra, you know, whatever. English is your second language. It still creates this haves and haves nots, right? And I think that if you're, if you're separating out achievements that way, I think it's fine if it's like, you know, beat the, beat the game at all for example, an achievement, beat the game at all, beat the game on normal difficulty, beat the game on hard difficulty, beat the game on nightmare difficulty. That's fine. People who want to try and get it on nightmare difficulty, but can't do it. Like, okay, like that was the challenge. The challenge is try to get through on nightmare difficulty. Challenge modes like, you know, uh, defeat this many enemies in this level at all. 
whether or not you're on easy or hard. Okay, cool. Anyone can get that. But if you have something that's like, you know, specifically a hard mode difficulty thing, like kill X amount of enemies on hard mode on this level, that's a challenge achievement. Not everyone's going to do it, but the people who really, really want to get that achievement will try and get that achievement if they like the game enough. But you're not locking someone out of base level achievements. You completed the game. You completed this chapter of the story. I, I think that like turning off achievements for like an easy difficulty is sort of like saying, well, you're just not good enough for our game, so we'll let you play it, but you won't have anything to show for it. Interesting. I I guess I've played a number of games. I tend to play a lot of games on easy mode. So I've played played a lot of games that, you know, you put it into easy mode and then you get a little like pop up that says, Hey, totally cool, you can play this game, but just so you know, like significant numbers of achievements will be disabled in this mode. And I'm like, I don't care. I've never been the kind of person to like go for achievements. So maybe for me personally, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Hmm. I'm here to play the game. I'm here to enjoy the experience. I could not care less about the little pop-up that says, good job. Well, so, I, that, so maybe that's just me. That does actually bring up a good question though, Tom. Like on those games, mm -hmm. are you playing solely in single player? Are these multiplayer, these games have multiplayer aspects with them? I honestly couldn't think of any specific example. I know I've seen that, but I can't like, I can't point to a game. But here's here's a question though, real quick, just before I, I get derailed. Here's my question. If we take the exact example that I gave you before, and instead of saying we disable a certain number of achievements, we just take the achievements we would have disabled and add in hard mode to the end of every single one of those achievements. I mean, are all of your achievements then going to be in this hypothetical situation, beat this level on this mode? Or do you have double achievements where you have one that says beat this level and then beat this level on hard mode. I don't know if they need to all have a easy and then hard mode. I think that there could be like, you can say you have some achievements that are available when you're in, you know, quote unquote, easy mode. And then in hard mode, there's more achievements available that, that expand on that, that say something like, like let's say in easy mode, just as an example, you have two achievements you can get. Kill this guy without using a nice gun and beat the level and then in hard mode you have th those are obviously both achieve you know you can get those achievements and then you also have kill only that guy without killing anyone else in hard mode well i think the there's another mechanic that you could easily add especially in like deadbolt as an example of kill only Ebzon on the last level mm -hmm. as a challenge even with the additions of the accessibility that we proposed, it would still be hard. But if you wanted to kind of, so your intent was clear on that, you could say only kill Ebzon without alerting any other undead. That would be hard even with the addition of the yeah. other stuff. And that would just kind of resolve the in easy mode, in hard mode sort of thing. Yeah, Fair. because that would that would ultimately be a challenge achievement, right? Because you are mm -hmm. challenging the player, no matter what difficulty they're on, to something incredibly difficult for that level. And more specifically, you're encouraging them to play in a play yes. style that you're betting dollars to donuts they won't actually do. Which is kind of the point of yeah. being a game developer. You want to you want to encourage, or not a game developer, but kind of more of the point of being or putting achievements in you want them to play in a different play style so in this example just putting that without alerting other undead 
that would make it extremely hard even with assists. And I would be fine with that. Like, you yeah. did it. You you deserve that cookie. I don't care if it was an easy mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. that's just my philosophy on achievements, though. So, I'm a very hobbyist developer. So, keep that in mind. <laughs> no, I, I definitely get it. I, I can see what you're saying. I, I just... I think for the most part, our, our our argument has somewhat devolved into semantics. Yeah, maybe. I think the devil is in the details a little bit. Well, but I mean, I think... With any design think, improvement, uh, it is going to be in the details. So yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> well, that's fair. that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know... I think part, part of the problem, too, may be just that my, my personal opinion of achievements they have never really done anything for me. Mm. For me, it's more of a, a like, I'll get the little pop-up that's like, you unlocked this achievement. I'm just kind of like, oh, huh, okay. But I'm not I'm not an achievement chaser. So, like, for me, it's more of just like a, oh, neat, and not a, oh, man, I'm going to work my tail off for this thing. So I, I feel like maybe that's part of it. I feel like that's part of Forza, though. They literally shower you with achievements in that game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I play a lot more than Forza. So. I'm just saying, like, thousand hours in Forza, yeah, that, that would desensitize me to achievements too. It already yeah, partially has, honestly. Again, I play a lot more than Forza, and achievements came out long before Horizon. I was playing Forza Horizon, and for me, they've never meant anything to me. Huh. I'm not an achievement chaser, which is fine. Some people yeah. aren't. I just, I think maybe because I'm not that person, I don't put a lot of importance on them. Right. And I guess the the few times where I have been like, because, okay, here's the difference. For some people, they, they actively seek them out. For me, I get kind of excited when they just happen by, mm. by happens chance. Like, I'm not looking for it. It just is like a little boop. Hey, you did this thing that's really rare. And I'm like, oh, cool. And so it's kind of fun to make them a little bit less accessible in for me because like when they happen it's kind of you get more of an impact when you're kind of like oh son of a gun I you know I did a thing that most people don't do that's cool if they're really accessible then it it feels more kind of like eh whatever when it's like to me like an achievement should be an achievement not like a Hey, you did the thing that like literally every single person that has bought this game did. Turn, turn on <laughs> that's, the game. That's, <laughs> Those achievements are That's not an achievement. That's like great. I bought the game. But, cool. Well, but I I think that that's still a very subjective point of view. Because, oh yeah, that's what I'm, you know, for what some I'm people, yeah. it's like, oh, I beat this level. That makes me feel really good. Like I feel accomplished. Like even though, like you know, for some people, it might be, you know oh, whatever, I beat the level, cool, I got an achievement. Every game does that. But for some people, I mean, it's like, oh, I, I did that thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're seeking out challenge achievements, it's like, oh, I did this challenge and I feel like I did something. I can say, like, cool, and the and the game gave me a, a, a clap on the back. Like, good job, you did the thing. So I think it's just, you know, from your point of view, it's just sort of like, oh, you know, I just did something that ev- literally everyone else in the game did. Like, you know, for some people, that means more than just... I just did something that everyone else in the game, everybody who plays this game gets this achievement. You know, like for some people that does mean something. It can be a dopamine spike or, you know, it just makes them feel good. Um, They can say, look, I I have my little little merit badge card here with all of the achievements for this game I really like. I even did some challenge achievements. You know, and everyone's going to be kind of feel differently about that. And I feel like, I feel that 
for those people who do enjoy achievement hunting, because surprise achievements are cool, but some people are going to seek them out. But sure. for others yeah. who are like, oh, you know, this particular level for me was really challenging. I got an achievement. Cool. Whereas someone else didn't find that level so challenging. Oh, yeah. Trying to, like, divvy up that particular achievement, if it's a finish the level thing, by difficulty mode, assuming you're not having a, at, at, you know, any kind of, you know, like multiples for one level kind of thing. Mm. Like, you finished it on easy, you finished it on normal, you finished it on hard. I, I feel like it just sort of is like, eh, you know, like, it feels like you're leaving the people out who wouldn't do that. Again, like, challenge achievements are something different because you are those are things that you would have to seek out because you like the game or you like achievement hunting um not or, everyone or will you're get just insane and play games in an insane way and then <laughs> by yeah. chance <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i totally get it i think there's actually an interesting point to be made here that um achievements are kind of one of those topics that can potentially be divisive Along with accessibility, mm-hmm. sadly enough, mm-hmm. because there will be the inevitable gatekeepers of, oh, you didn't play to X achievement. You aren't a real player of X game. And you didn't get the hard mode achievement. So you, you're not a real player yeah. of the game. And yeah. So not to derail you, I just that brought up a point. So here's the question. Is gatekeeping worse when you create an easy mode? thereby making it so some players are going to use it, and then the gatekeepers can say, well, you didn't really play the game because you were playing it on easy mode. Or is it better to leave a game kind of like Deadbolt did, where it's like, look, this is the game. Like, play it or don't, this is the game. Because it's kind of harder to gatekeep in that regard, because it's like, well, I I didn't finish the game because it wasn't for me. Okay, no gatekeeping for you. So, I mean, I, I... I'm not I'm not I'm not defending it. I'm just kind of like I'm wondering does creating all of these like really like making games much easier for everyone to play does that also open the door to some gatekeeping? Well, no. Gatekeeping's going to exist no matter what. Yeah. Well, and it shouldn't right that, no matter yeah. for what reason. Does it exacerbate it? Maybe that's a better way of putting it. I think people are going to be assholes no matter what. They'll just find a reason to do it. Like, I think if you're worried about people gatekeeping a game, like, I don't think that, oh, well, we shouldn't have easy mode because people will gatekeep more and people won't want to try and engage with the game. I think that's bad reasoning because people are going to find a reason to gatekeep anyway. Oh, you can't play this game. You couldn't get past the tutorial. I feel embarrassed admitting that I couldn't get past the tutorial of this game because it's like, oh, there's someone out there. Oh, well, pff, this person, <laughs> they're not a real gamer. Like, what the, what the hell do they think they're doing? They're just talking about it. You know, like uh, an sure. earlier podcast where I've said, like, I, you know, I like games. Games are fun. I usually just play for the story. If there's an easy mode, I'll use it because I don't necessarily, unless it's a game I really like, I don't necessarily, like, want the challenge. I want to experience the story. And that's mm-hmm. like been a thing forever you know like you know oh well i couldn't play this game i watched a playthrough on youtube it's like oh well you you're not a real fan if you watch someone's <laughs> let's play like you know yeah. play the game you know it's gonna happen no matter what that's true that is 100 percent true i think i think the 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 thing that's tough about it is like if you're the kind of person that wants and i'm not necessarily this person i'm just i'm this is this is like a devil's advocate argument here if you're the kind of person that wants the extreme challenge and therefore because there's a huge challenge attached there's also a prestige of achieving that thing and i think for those people that want that really big challenge 
does it feel a bit like your your experience of achieving that thing gets watered down when there's also this mode that just makes it like super easy to get to that same place so don't um, use that mode if you're that kind of player i'm not saying you are tom this is the rhetorical no, yeah. sure, this this yeah. rhetorical person you've set up like why does it matter to them why would it matter like you play it on the challenge mode you play it on the hardest setting and you still get those achievements someone else playing on easy mode doesn't affect the fact that you yourself hypothetical person played it on the hardest difficulty and got right. all the challenge achievements and finished it like this sort of like um because this is a thing that's been talked about with like the every time from software re releases a game that's the thing that people say like oh well it waters down the achievement of beating the game if there's difficulty modes and it's like no mm -hmm. it doesn't you just play it on a harder difficulty you don't use the accessibility stuff like that has no standing on what you're doing. Where does the you play the game run? on the hardest? Seriously. Yeah, it's like, oh my god! Like you go on Steam and you got your achievement on Steam that says only one percent of players ever got this achievement. Like, there's your badge of honor. You got an yeah. achievement for a challenge that only one percent of players have ever gotten, and it glows now. Like they didn't used to do that, but now they glow. Like you can look at your <laughs> achievements and say, "Wow." I got the glowy achievement. That's super cool. Not everyone's going to, only 1% of players is going to have this achievement. Good for you. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you getting your challenge. I'm not going to go for that because I don't want that kind of challenge. But it's cool also that I got all of the, challenge, all, all of the achievements that 60% of players got on Steam or 80%. Like, I don't care. I, I look at that and I go, look at all, I beat all of the levels. I got the achievement for beating the game. Hell, I got the stealth achievement. A deus ex human revolution like how in the hell did that happen you know like i don't even know like i you know you get you, it's sort of having those modes it, it's weird to me that people like attach so much of like you know this is this achievement is mine because there's no easy mode it's like you wouldn't play it on easy mode it doesn't make the hardest difficulty easier to have an easy mode you just don't play easy mode just just don't do it like I don't like this book. I hate this book. I'm going to like finish it and then I'm going to write a horrible review. It's like, if you didn't like the book, just put it down. <laughs> I, don't finish it. Like, if you don't like it, just walk away. Just say, that's not for me and leave. You know, it's, it's like a similar thing where it's like, what? why does it matter that you, you know, you're going to like waste all this energy complaining about somebody wanting an easy mode in a game so that they can play it? Like, it doesn't affect you. You're still going to play the game how you play the game. It's not like, you know people are calling for make souls games easier like no it's just for saying like have accessibility options so more people can play them while the same people who like the extra challenge can still play it the way they want to play it and kind of hmm. to that point um that was a beautiful rant by the way um thank you thank you um one of the things about accessibility is ideally it's going to be invisible to most people yeah if you and I, Tom, had access to the accessibility options in Deadbolt, we probably wouldn't do it. And yeah. if there were achievements for completing the game and then achievements on, I don't know, like how Spelunky 2 does it, where um, if you're really into it, you can go after the story to the, uh, what do they call it, Endless Ocean or something, where it's just 97 more Spelunky levels that are ball-bustingly hard. But you don't lock off the story that way. Like, yeah. you, oh, that's fair. You all the, everybody has to suffer through the story of Spelunky. 
And that is a hard <laughs> thing, even with all the accessibility options that they offer in as a way to make it easier on you. But for those that really, really get into the game, they can grind their way through those 99 levels on top of the story. And that's fine. Like, more power to those people. I will never see that endless ocean. Ever. I can't even see the jungle half the time. So, you know, I'm on the lower end of the skill level for Spelunky, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I've never even played it. Oh, it's... It's hard. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> but I think that at the same time, the accessibility that was baked into Spelunky makes me want to keep going back to it regardless. So hmm. accessibility just makes means that I can be like, oh man, look at that person. They are doing really well. I can't do like 90% of what they're doing on Twitch reaction. Mm. Makes me appreciate them more. Maybe sure. a little bit of jealousy too, but that's me, not achievement options. That being said, I think if those were in deadbolt, but they weren't like pointed out, I it might be okay. Yeah, it'd be fine. Like yeah, one of the things that deadbolt does do is the custom levels. You can yeah. make mm-hmm. your own custom level if you want to make a really hard challenge. Custom levels are a great way to for the real enthusiast, right? Because <laughs> I don't think like I'm an enthusiast for deadbolt, but I don't think I would play a custom level because there's some levels that I don't want to play again in the base game. And I know that the custom <laughs> levels are harder than that. So it's like, ah, hard pass. Yeah. But that's fine. That, that's, yeah. what, that's what the enthusiasm's for. And sure. yeah, I think achievements mm-hmm. are a very sticky topic because of different attitudes on how to use them. I didn't even know how sticky those that topic could be. <laughs> I walked into a landmine there. That's kind of the glorious thing about talking about Deadbolt, which doesn't have... I mean, it does kind of have in-game achievements, but they, they're the, hey, you get random drop, here's a cookie sort of... Here's a lore cookie sort of thing, which isn't necessarily what I think uh, a good achievement would be, Fair. have, mm. honestly. But that's, as I said, my stance on... The achievement issue just to prove how little i pay attention to achievements is there are there even achievements on steam for that game uh on steam i don't think so let me check real quick because i'm genuinely curious um yeah. this could be a very funny discovery yeah well, <laughs> very quickly so it's interesting um that you bring it up because in Deadbolt itself, there are actual achievements in game, so like it wouldn't be too hard to like mm-hmm. bubble that up to Steam. But I right. don't necessarily think the developer put those in. Interesting. There are achievements on Steam. Ah, well, the more oh. you know. Yeah, twenty four. Holy cow! I'm sure I've unlocked some. I just don't think I ever noticed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were busy getting killed. It's fine. I was very busy getting killed. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes Let's killing see. occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just giving you a sass. You even it even says that you yeah. have one. You have an achievement, Tom. I do? Yeah. No, what I'm do good. I have an achievement for? Kill Puff without using the Tommy gun. <gasps> I remember that popping up. That was one of the ones where I was like, that's an achievement? Yep. <laughs> Neat. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So just, just for interest's sake, here's what the achievements are. Uh, 
let's see, uh, conquest, earn every achievement, famine, beat the entire game within one hour without quitting, death, <laughs> beat the entire <laughs> game without dying or quitting. Who uh, are these people? <laughs> war, get a five-star rating on all missions. Professional, clear a stage with only headshot kills. Clocked in, clear the first mission. I don't have that because I never did it. <laughs> Dethroned. <laughs> Dethroned, kill an undead using the toilet. Coinage. <laughs> Buy a weapon from Charon. Cassette culture, collect all memory tapes. Traditional, clear a stage with only melee weapons. Now nah, I'm good, kill Puff without using the Tommy gun. Pugilist, melee a bouncer to death. Baba Yaga, clear the boogeyman without being seen. Zombie Kings, cleared. Clear all Zombie Kings missions. Acrobat, kill a vampire midair. Let the dead rest. Clear the Bloody Mary without letting any vampires revive. Quid pro quo, kill Amber with a melee weapon and Evelyn with a ranged weapon. Oh. A Thousand Year Royals, cleared. Clear all Thousand Year Royals missions. Pirouette, kill a sergeant mid-spin. Grave Rubber, destroy a body as it's being revived. Collateral damage, clear Timur the Tinkerer, using only trap kills. The Dredged, cleared, clear all dredged missions. Le Sniper, Le Sniper de Cour, clear Vale's Sniper Nest, using only headshots. From the Shadows, clear Ibzan without being seen once. So they do have that achievement. Oh. Huh. Yep. <laughs> and interesting, <laughs> like, and they do have achievements for clearing the first mission and clearing each chapter. Hmm. But all the rest are challenge. Yeah. Yeah, the rest are like play in a very weird way, like yeah. kill people using a toilet, which is funny. Yeah. You're going to do that anyway. That's a surprise. Which is oh, cool. You're... Yeah. Yeah, surprise. you're definitely going to do that one. And it is yeah. a great achievement to achieve. Yeah. So... I now, now that you bring that up, I remember that being one of those like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But like yep. cassette culture, that is one that is not worth grinding. I can say that one with certainty. <laughs> I really hate some of the levels because of that. And we just told you all of the story, so you don't even need them. Um, you know, <laughs> go look them up if you want to actually read them for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. grind them out if you really want to. If you want to achieve, you know, achievement hunt, go ahead and do it. Yeah. You know, more power to you. That's Apparently awesome. this game has plenty of achievement grinding. If, it's, if it thinks yeah. you can play this game all the way through, start to finish without dying, Get ready to grind. <laughs> I mean, the the speedrunners, the speedrunners have famine because the speed runs like what twenty three minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is so. which, if you've ever watched it, it is like a sight to behold. The whole it time is you're kind of like, cool. is, is this yeah. seriously possible? Like, are you a robot? <laughs> it is. It is a very cool speed game just to watch people just how precise they are and how quick. It's it's very oh, it's cool for that. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Totally yeah. amazing. I personally highly recommend this game. I don't know about you too. <laughs> I, you know, here's the thing. I would I go out and like seek out this game and buy it for myself just for fun? No, because you like encouraged me to play this. It's great. It's it's definitely one of those like it took me out of my comfort zone and I enjoyed it types of games. That's fair. Um, so yeah. yeah, I I really I think it's really really cool. Will I will I be revisiting it on a regular basis? Probably not, but I probably will revisit it from time to time when I'm, you know, in the mood. So it, it was a surprise for me. And uh, I abstain. I, I didn't get <laughs> past the, I just barely got past the, the tutorial after a very long time. However, I feel that if you have heard what we've described 
um, or you go look it up and, you know, look at some gameplay and you think like you think it looks like a game for you and that you might like to try it, I, I would say go for it. Because yeah. I think if you can, like if this is the kind of game you like and, you know, you, you, you can perform at that level of skill that the game asks of you, like I think you're going to have a good time and it'll be a challenge and it'll probably be fun for you. But would I recommend it? I don't know. Depends on if you like this kind of game or not and if it sounds interesting. <laughs> That's fair. That is totally fair. Yeah. I guess I'm coming from a very biased source, but it, or very biased place rather. But I absolutely adore this game with the style that it has. So oh, this thing is dripping with style. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I'm always a sucker for style, though. So make of that what you will. I think we've ranted about this game enough. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We probably have done. Let's do some pluggables. Where can people find you, Devin? Uh, you can find me uh, on the internet in places. I am uh, Marrowweird. Uh, Marrow, Mar- I can't even pronounce my own name. Everybody pronounces it differently. <laughs> That's my fault for choosing something in Old English that nobody can pronounce. Marrowweird. Weird. It's got an umlaut in that Y. Anyway, M-E-R-E-W-Y-R-D. Uh, I kind of have a social media hiatus, but uh, I'm around if... <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> and how about you, Tom? Where, th- where can people find you? Um, I am on uh, YouTube and Instagram under the handle Tomakaze, and it's spelled wrong. So T-O-M-A-K-Z-E. And I don't do a whole lot of video game stuff, but I've certainly got a whole lot of car stuff, car audio stuff, and other random things on there. I am totally inactive on Twitter, so it's the same name, but don't bother. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and people can find me on twitter as jc siron j-c-s-i-r-r-o-n i usually rant about video game related stuff so if you want to either enjoy it or yell at me furiously about my stance on anything please reach out to me and uh, well we've been the adventure mechanics i'm chandler i'm Devin. And I'm Tom. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.